0: Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name is Aaron Battle. Welcome. My name is Kurt Robinson. Today, we're going to talk about magical recipes, how you can make your own diesel power at home.
1: Yeah, just using a few household appliances. (laughs) Go down to your fish and chip shop and get their waste oil and then see if you can turn it into something to put it into your truck. And maybe you'll get an 80% discount on the fuel that you're using. 80%. That's a good discount. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, so also we talk we talk about the emerging technology of Tesla's Power Walls. These new batteries, which can be used to store energy from solar panels, meaning you can keep your car get or keep your car, or keep your house uh, permanently running off solar energy. And that that way, maybe you can even disconnect totally from the grid. Maybe you don't need mains power anymore. And we're moving towards a decentralized energy society. Move to Mars, build yourself a Earth ship.
0: Well, not, not that what? far away. Outside the city, you know, have your own power, grow your own food, make your own fuel.
1: Yep, build a, build a greenhouse that keeps the temperature at a moderate uh, or tropical temperature all year round. And that's kind of cool. Um, Also, we talk a little bit about global warming, why I'm not sold on the idea of severe anthropogenic global warming, and why it's still important to look after the environment, even if you don't think global warming is real. Maybe you can upsize to a little house. Yep. A, a lot of house. people uh, yeah, a lot of people are moving into tiny houses of six square meters or, or 25 square meters, uh, looking at saving the money, uh, becoming more economical, saving heaps of money on their mortgage, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases, and using that money towards better use, towards purchasing more interesting experiences, or perhaps using it for capital to, to create more innovative technologies.
0: Yeah, basically just free yourself from an economic jail that we've developed for ourselves and
1: escape. Give yourself a little bit of liberty. Yep, a little bit of liberty. All right, so press like on YouTube, press subscribe on YouTube, press like on Facebook, hover over the like button and press the get notifications button because that means you're always going to know what we're doing and you're probably going to see pictures of us naked dancing under the moonlight and also (laughs) press subscribe on itunes subscribe on pocket casts and also press share we really love it when you press share because that means we know we're getting our message out there our ideas infecting the minds of young impressionable people to press share so it goes on twitter and tumblr and facebook and every time you press share actually aaron battle is going to inject his eyeballs with canola oil do i get a mixer <laughs> any any way you can take it also we really appreciate how um so many people have been going onto to our website on donate dot the paradise Paradox.com and giving us a, a little bit of money, or in some cases, a lot of money, um, donating by Bitcoin or by altcoins or by PayPal. We really appreciate it because every time we open up those accounts and we see somebody has given us a little bit of money, we know we're actually introducing interesting ideas into your lives and maybe giving you a different perspective. So that's how we know. These ideas are valuable and that means something to us. So we do really love it. We appreciate when you do stuff like that. So do a little more of it. Help us out, you know, support the show. Be, be a bro. Be a part of it. Change the world
0: one world at a time.
1: talking a little bit about different ways that people are going to use technology to conserve energy maybe to save money and look at different ways of of living so they can have uh, maybe a more fulfilling life or maybe uh to affect the environment positively as well or at least not affect it negatively and i think it'd be good to discuss a
0: few options where you know they can people can feel a little more uh, liberated or not uh, not to slave so much just to um, live yeah yeah uh, that's essentially it so you know get opening up a few different a few different options um, to technologies and fuels and methods of living so that we're not so we're not wasting so much value in traffic mm. on our way to work or uh, I guess uh, using the, the fuels that we are for electricity to heat Cool and live mm. within our within our traditional homes. So you know, a few a few new ideas.
1: Yep, yeah. So we've got things like on on biofuel and solar panels, and and these things are uh, quickly becoming more and more possible, and uh, some some other ways to save money too. So of course. Yeah, people are t- talking a lot these days about global warming or climate change, depending on your perspective. Now, personally, I don't really think global warming or climate change is uh, anthropogenic, climate change is such a big deal. Uh, I don't think it's as, as severe as. What people make it out, and so sometimes I, I don't really pay much attention to the press on this because I know how how wild and sensationalistic the press can get on things like this. So it's, it blows my mind sometimes because I'll, I'll start having uh, talking to somebody about it on Facebook, and I'll say, you know, uh, well, I guess you know, there's there's something to this climate change, obviously human beings uh, actions are affecting the climate in some way and then somebody else comes in and they're like waving their arms in the air and saying oh we're gonna fucking die and the world's gonna like blow up into a ball of flames and i'm like what are you talking about like where does this come from this is the (laughs) i'll tell you where it comes from it
0: comes from crazy tv and maybe extreme weather we are seeing a little extreme weather like winters that have Being colder than ever, Um, okay. A little bit, you know, hotter climates than than normal. But I think the question is, uh, are humans the fault of all this? And in what terms are we using? Because global warming and climate change are two totally different things. Mm.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think they get well. They're not totally different things, but they're they're in the same basket. But I think the way that they're marketed to us
1: is uh, (laughs) is often incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've heard people claim that it changed from global warming to climate change because uh, oil companies wanted it to change that way, and they wanted they wanted to get a a better angle on the on on the marketing of of this type of idea. But I've heard the opposite argument as well that it's actually the the people who who think climate anthropogenic climate change is a, is a real thing and a re- and a huge thing. Um, it's, it's also because because uh, if you call it global warming, then it's a very specific thing. You're talking about um, progressive increase or an exponential increase in temperature. But if you talk about climate change, well, you can say that's anything you want. If you say you, if you see an extreme weather event or if you see uh, um, another mini ice age or anything like that, you can say, well, it's an anthropogenic climate change and this fits in exactly with our hypothesis, which is an a ad hoc hypothesis. And uh, the, the weird thing about this is, I mean, I, I, I talk to people and they they claim that there's this scientific consensus about it. And I, I remember I even had one conversation with a friend of mine, and he said, "Yeah, there's a, there's this consensus." And, and I, uh and I was like, "Okay, uh, so what value does a scientific consensus actually have?" Uh, and I, I can mention examples like. 200 years ago, uh, old scientists uh, and all reputable scientists, there was a scientific consensus that meteorites didn't exist. Now, that's not true, uh, at least according to our modern science. So so the question is, what value does scientific consensus actually have? Um, the, the answer is, not not a lot. But then I said, okay, you have to show me evidence that there's a scientific consensus. And normally these people say, uh, I don't have any evidence. I just read it in the newspaper. And I'm like, really? I mean, if you saw something scrolled on a bathroom wall, would you, would you come out and tell me that that's news? Because that's about the level of, of evidence that you're providing me here. Um, now, if you look at <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, uh, I don't know if the, there's probably some other studies which are better, but one of the studies which is commonly cited is Doran Zimmerman. And what Doran Zimmerman actually did was was send this poll to about 10,000 climate scientists, and then the, about 3,000 of them responded. Doran and Zimmerman narrowed it down to 79 respondents who, who they thought were qualified on the question, and then they said, well, 97 percent of the respondents agree with it. And you can see why this is kind of nonsense, because it's saying it's a 97 percent consensus, but they've only actually looked at about, what's that, less than one percent of the people that they originally polled. So if you repeated this experiment, if you repeated it using the same methodology, chances are you, you would get a very different result. Uh, and if you you know if you repeat it at ten times, you might get wildly different results. I'm shocked they can even publish information like that. <laughs> well, you know, it's freedom of speech, and and that's why you need to be careful what you're reading. But these these are some of the things that the scientists said when polled. I mean, obviously they they asked the standard questions, and I guess questions you'd expect them to to ask in this poll. They asked if, you know, over their last. 200 years do you think the the temperature has gone up or down or or stayed the same and then the second question was do you think uh humans human action has had a significant effect on the climate on climate change and um so you know the 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 scientists who they actually ended up putting in the study said yes um 97 of them did But then they had a comment section and uh, these are some of the comments which the scientists wrote down. This is a very simplistic and biased questionnaire. That's one. Scientific issues cannot be decided by a vote of scientists. That's another one. I'm not sure what you are trying to prove, but you will undoubtedly be able to prove your pre-existing opinion with this survey i'm sorry i even started it <laughs> so you have to wonder how scientific that methodology actually is so I, but you know what i i do think uh, anthropogenic climate change is a real thing i do think uh humans have an effect on the environment i don't know to what extent but i do also think that we should take care of the environment because it's a we have to live here you know don't don't mess up your home that's not a good idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I can say I'm a fan of the planet. I mean, yeah. we don't have another one. I don't, know yeah. any, I don't, I don't yeah. have any friends on any other planets. Or I don't know anyone from any other planet, I don't think. Mm. But um, yeah, have we made an effect on the planet? We'll just fly into any major city and have a look at the landscape. Yeah. It's pretty easy to, to see what effect you've had. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, how, how can, why are people still arguing this?
1: Mm, because it's a sensational argument it's a political issue it's a way to secure funds for special interests uh, because they're working with public funds they're basically well they're getting taxpayer money so they're getting stolen money and they don't have to worry about how it's acquired they just get it and and uh, do what they want with it good more reason to try and escape
0: this and get a get away from the trap of having to to be told which fuels to use and The one electricity type Mm. that's coming into your house irrespective of whether you're buying you know renewable electricity or it's like you know you know really uh grinds my gears a little bit (laughs) is everyone that talks about renewable energy and they're Mm. still using like you know okay let's go get a electric car and plug it in the wall Mm. but where does that energy come from
1: well normally it comes from coal if you live in australia i don't know in mexico i'm not sure the main power sources no, I've, yeah. I've got no idea either. It's a little bit unconscious of me. Yeah, should, but it's probably like it's likely fossil fuels. I don't think Mexico has many nuclear power plants. Australia definitely, I mean, it has, yeah, it has no nuclear power plants. It does have one or two reactors for medical purposes, but that's mm. it. Yeah. Well, cool.
0: Um, so the electricity that we're using. Irrespective mm. of, of where uh, where it's coming from and what what it's generating, and I thought it was cool to have a look at the technology side. So yep. I mentioned to you the uh, the Baghdad battery, mm. which I originally thought was like an Egyptian battery of, of some kind. So I thought, you know, that that's, that sounds like a cool idea—ancient technology making a comeback. Yep. Let, let's have a look at what it is. And there's a few videos on on YouTube that that shows people making them, or you know, you can find documentaries quite easy. There's documents everywhere, but uh, we're essentially talking about an iron rod that's insulated by cork or wood of some kind yep. um, with a casing, like a cylinder of copper, like a copper sheet wrapped mm-hmm. around the outside and then lowered into like, uh, was it ionic charged water or like a, what we would probably consider like a battery acid. Yep. Um, and then it's put into like, it was, in, it was found in a little clay pot with like a, a little wooden lid. And it's like, you know, this is technology that they found that was 2,000 years old. Is it really that different to what we're using now in the case of, of batteries or storing, you know, mobile electricity?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, some things are classic, I guess. I, <laughs> I don't
0: know. And it, but it's, it's not like it's, uh, it's, not like it's, it's something you, you don't believe. It's like what the, the ancient Egyptians had batteries, like whatever. What do they need to charge? It's like just, <laughs> they're just commonly dismissed. But, um, but anyway, you know, it's same same kind of design where are using but it, now. So
1: this one was in the Middle East, right? You said it's from Baghdad.
0: Uh, well, it's, yeah, it was called the Baghdad battery because they found it in or nearby Baghdad. Right. But, um, you yeah, know, I, I, I thought it was the Egyptian battery. I mean, that's what I looked right. for when I heard from it. But, um, I'm not sure why. So there might be one.
1: In, it was probably one in Egypt as well.
0: Well, I, I'm sure if there was one, and I was doing pretty magic tricks back then, <laughs> um, lighting, I don't know. I don't know. What would it have what, what do they have? I've got no idea. Uh, let's say like maybe premium light bulbs of some kind. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, magic, let's say.
1: Um, yeah, or oh, it's I, not like one of these guys that walk around at bars and they, they, they give the two people electrodes and everybody holds hands and they all get electrocuted. That would have been cool. <laughs> like, it's a party trick. This like, is what like... people do for fun in Mexico
0: have you seen those games <laughs> they do it here they, i mean you've, they, never, you've never seen that i mean they do it here too um yeah. no i've, I've, I've seen it on cruise boats and stuff but okay. i've never been to a bar where they've, where they've done that actually i lie i lie that's how good the bars are um, <laughs> no i did see it in cancun a few years back all right yeah, yeah. So, like, you know,
1: and then here the guy asks you for five pesos and you're like what i'm paying to like be tortured what yeah. is wrong with you? <laughs> no, well, usually these
0: places are open bars, so you're not even sure what like, what he's saying or doing. Right? <laughs> well
1: Because you... you're so drunk.
0: Or... <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I might have been.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't think the banked battery would produce more than 1.5 volts, so it's prob- probably not enough to, to give you a, a shock anyway. <laughs> no, I, I don't know how effective
0: they were, but the, the one that was recreated on the, the YouTube video I was watching – Mm. had like nine mini mini volts, uh, millivolts. So, um, yeah, I I don't know how useful that is. But (laughs) nevertheless, it's like some kind of ancient technology that we decided to keep using today. Yeah. That's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, let's see. So, one important technology related to that is the Tesla Powerwall. So the Tesla Powerwall is the, like this device you can put it on your wall, maybe stick it in your garage. It doesn't take up much space and it's gonna store the electricity that you get from your solar panels. So I was looking at some figures. I mean, the Powerwall itself cost about $3,500 and uh, in Australia, oh, so, that's a, so that's US dollars, sorry, $3,500 US dollars. In Australia, um, solar panels cost um, if you want to get three three kilowatt hours worth of solar panels, stick them on your roof, um, it will cost about four thousand five hundred Australian dollars in the US. It would cost about two thousand nine hundred. So you know you put these two together, you've got the solar panels and you you've got the power wall. Um, It'll cost you less than ten thousand dollars, and that will stop you being dependent on main's power and you your, your um, you know stop using that fossil fuel that you're probably using on, on nuclear power if you don't like nuclear power. And uh, if you're concerned about global warming or climate change, this is a, a direct way that you can uh, start c- cutting down your dependence. And it, I think that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think if, if people were, were more conscious of how much electricity they were using mm-hmm. and they had some way of, of measuring that, then they probably wouldn't use as much electricity as they are using, you know, without thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. It's pretty a bit like water um, people that are running off of water rain tanks. It's mm-hmm. like you know you're aware that you might only have you know one one big tank of water and you're pretty aware of how long that lasts and how long it's been since it hasn't rained. It's like it's a nice little way of connecting to your environment. Mm-hmm. so I mean if you if you had a similar setup where you're like, well, we've only got half battery left, you know we, it's going to take at least two sunny days to refill them yeah you know i don't know how long they'll last for but having that that kind of connection with your environment i think is quite healthy
1: yeah yeah that's true that's that it puts your like gives you this direct investment in conserving energy yeah and and it's i mean or buying more solar panels depending how you look at it yeah, it's, it's fine <laughs> i mean how much do you say two
0: thousand seven hundred or uh so two
1: thousand nine hundred u.s dollars in the u.s of so four thousand five hundred australian dollars in australia um
0: that doesn't, yeah. seem, that doesn't seem that crazy
1: yeah yeah it's um like they're getting cheaper and cheaper and uh yeah apparently that's a, a reasonable thing it's a to power a small home
0: excellent so i mean and that's like the battery solar panels i mean that seems pretty standard i mean uh you got wind turbines and water turbines you can use or i'm assuming you can connect a bike up to it like exercise bike <laughs> and just get charging <laughs> if you want to get your phone charge or something (laughs) no I mean the cool thing is there's options now yes like it it just seems so realistically and affordable in in hand which is amazing for people that want to build houses away from civilization
1: yeah yeah so I remember I was listening to a, a, this speech by a venture capitalist and he was talking about these mega trends. And one of them, of course, is decentralization. And so it looks like, of course, we see things like de- decentralization and in, in, uh, um, data distribution and currency with Bitcoin. Um, but then it's, it's extending even further to the energy sector. So uh, this is one way which... The, decentralization is going to affect us like we don't have to be connected to mains power anymore if we don't want um, we can have our own house out in the bush maybe um you know so it, it makes well it, it makes distant living more accessible too so so maybe people who want to get out of the cities and find some cheap land somewhere, somewhere else especially in australia where there's so much land um, that's Pretty much unused. (laughs) You could head out, and you you don't have to live in the city.
0: Yeah, I mean that's kind of the big dependent is the you know we're dependent on energy, and the only way to get connected would be to to look at where the roads are and where the power lines are and you know Mm. where running where running water is. Mm. But if you're able to set that up yourself, there's really no limit on where you can go and live. And it's pretty. I mean, anywhere there's there's land outside the cities. It's just it's it's common sense that is cheaper outside away from the CBD, the cities. And you don't, you don't want that. You don't want that noise.
1: Mm. Yeah. I don't. And you know, if, if you work over the internet, if you maybe you have a YouTube channel or something, or you, you know, you're a web developer and you don't need to be in the office. Maybe you find this uh, other, you know, cheaper way of living and have your own garden or something like that. Uh, and I think that's, that's something, um, people are starting to look at. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm super interested in, in earthships. Yep. I think that, yep. that, was, uh, that was something back in like 1970s. There was, a, there was an American architect, Michael Reynolds, that came out with that term of mm. earthship. And it was because it was uh, the whole notion of, of being aware of the planet and understanding that concept of recycling and wanting to build something out of recycled materials that minimized the amount of electricity we need to, to heat itself or to cool itself, so it's made out of a lot of, like a lot of them are semi-underground and walls of tires or walls of, of bottles and concrete, uh, yep. like glass bottle windows and things like this. And then um, I think, I mean, they're building them then with, with older style battery packs and, mm-hmm. and different types of technology, not like what you're talking about now that are like packaged units that are yep. designed and ready to go into these places. Yep. So now it's like there's, there's no problem looking at those solutions. You don't mm. need to bring in some kind of electrical engineer to redesign, you know, the way a house uses electricity. It's like we already know how to use electricity. Bring your appliances. There's, yep. your, there's your power wall. And, you know, there's your solar panels. And I'm sure everything just clicks together. Like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Elon Musk makes it sound really easy. I'm sure <laughs> it's in his interest to make things easy for his customers. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it comes out when <laughs> when more and more people start getting these units and they're they're also building like a, a huge uh, it looks like a power factory, uh, out at, I think in the desert in Nevada. So it can just suck you know up, suck up all this uh, solar energy. And um, he he reckons if if you build a few hundreds of hundreds of these around the world, then it's basically it's going to provide all of the power needed in houses. And then you build a, a few hundred more. Uh and, and then it's he's he said like two hundred billion units, like two hundred billion power walls would be enough to supply all the energy needs of houses and cars all around the world. Uh which is pretty pretty crazy to think about and you know that's these these technologies the he has patents on them but he's, he's uh like guaranteeing that he's never going to enforce the patents so that, that means that people can build on this technology people can make them themselves or you know come up with another company to compete with them and uh then uh we're going to see you know a, a exponential growth in this technology over the next few years and they'll get more and more efficient. And, and, and then, um, you know, um, our, our dependence on fossil fuels is going to be um, lower and lower and lower. That's exciting. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm visualizing communities that are going to be smaller mm. and, and more spread out. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the, the concept of, of larger governments looking after big groups of people that's going to diminish as well. Mm. So people are going to be freer, more spread out. There's, I mean, there's so much land to uh, to go out and start growing your own your own produce, yeah, to grow your own food. Um, I, I like the quote by uh, by Ron Finley. The uh, growing food is like printing money. I'm sure you've heard of that.
1: <laughs> no, I never heard that one. Yeah, no, cool. he's
0: he's the um. Well, what's what's he called? He's like the, the you know the. Uh, I had the term. It's the um. Well, he, he's in like Southern uh, LA, and he's uh, he's like the the gorilla. What's it? The, the gorilla. Gardner. Gorilla grower. Gorilla okay. Some Something like that. <laughs> Yep. And uh, so he's, he just started, he just got up one day and said, you know, we, we need to start growing. We need food. So he mm. started growing stuff all over the city where, you know, whether you're allowed to or not, I just got the idea like there's some land, I'm growing stuff on it. Uh-huh. And he just started covering all of like uh, South LA. Um, yep. So and I thought, you know, it, it's a cool idea. Growing food is like printing money. In a way it is. Yeah. But it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that at all because, I mean, growing food is creating value. Printing yeah. money is like removing value.
1: So,
0: <laughs> it's like, I get what he's saying, but I mean, obviously, he doesn't get what the banks are doing. Uh, otherwise, he probably wouldn't have said it that way. But, but wow, that's
1: the that's common vernacular. So.
0: <laughs> it is, but it's, yeah. it, I thought it was, it was cool. It's like a nice thing. yeah, you're joy. right.
1: Actually, yeah, growing, growing food, growing your own food is actually more valuable than printing money.
0: I mean, I've accidentally grown plants at my house by like throwing out scraps. And, you know, I hope to harvest five tomatoes soon. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I guess in a way that is kind of like, no, I'm going to get go back on it and say it is like printing money because now I don't need to buy those five tomatoes. Now yeah. I
1: have them. So Yeah, you already have them. So, you, you skip one step in the process. It's <laughs> so like I'm cheating, I guess. Yeah, yeah in the money system by, <laughs> by growing your own food. Who yeah. would have thought? that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's cool.
0: And a lot of these earthships have like their, their setup so their front windows uh, are directed to early morning sunlight which mm-hmm. makes it like a perfect greenhouse because mm-hmm. it, they heat up in the morning and they, they, stay, they stay that level of, of warm, humid through the mm-hmm. afternoon and night so the plants are solid tropical
1: all, all right. the
0: time. It's like, and some of the designs are really—I mean—you design them any way you want. They, they, they really look like, like you know, alien bases from Mars. Like the, the curves and the—I don't know—just the. I don't know much about architecture, but they're not the traditional house at all. all. Right. <laughs> so, um, okay, yeah. it's an interesting description. Yeah, that, that's my plug on on Earth
1: ships. Check them out. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. So I'll talk a bit about tiny houses as well. Um, let's, let's take a break. Tiny houses. So this is an interesting thing. Uh, you know, I was looking at the average sizes of houses in the United States and in Australia, and it, uh, they're some, so much bigger than I thought, almost twice as big as I thought. I thought the, the average size of a house was about 130 square meters, uh, like 1,500 square feet. It's actually about 2,200 square feet or... a. Or, uh, uh, 230 square meters and sorry, 2,400 square feet, 220 square meters. And um, this, is, this is partly due to, to regulation because what happens is the building companies uh, lobby and they lobby. They don't want people coming in and stealing their business. They don't want some young upstart uh, who's willing to do things. Uh, with some new, eff- efficient ways of of building and, and stealing all their business. They want to keep their business established and, and uh, maintain that oligopoly for a long time. So they lobby for co- building codes, which have things like a minimum size that you need to build a home. Like, you know, they might say the minimum size is, a, is 130 square meters and you can't build a home that's smaller than that. The stated intention is to protect people from slum lords. But uh, in my opinion, that's a bunch of nonsense. Uh, like, if you don't want to live in a, in a slum, you know, you, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to. And outlawing slums doesn't actually remove the problem of housing. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, to me, that's, that's total nonsense. Um, what, but, what happens if they want to live in a slum? Yeah, exactly. What if you want to save money? Well, not necessarily a slum, but what if you want to live in a small house? And that's the whole point of this, the tiny house movement. So uh, the the thing is what people do, especially in the United States, to, to evade the building codes, they put wheels on the house, or they put the house on wheels. Uh, <laughs> and that way it's not classed actually as a house, it's classed as as like a trailer or like a, a mobile home. So it doesn't have to comply with the building codes. And that makes it a, a lot easier for them to, to do this type of thing. And so people are building homes as small as six square meters, like, which is like 70 square feet, Uh, (laughs) really small. I don't know if you can imagine it's like probably smaller than this room. Uh (laughs) Um, I have seen some of the pictures of them
0: and they're very well designed. They have tables that fold out of the walls and lounges that convert. I mean, they're, they're very clever
1: yes yes so they have to learn to make an efficient user space and so for people who are saying "Mm, maybe I don't want to spend my life paying off a mortgage like paying one-third of my income for 30 years of you know 30 years taken out of my working life so I'm, I'm like paying off this house for for so so many years uh they say instead, well why don't I just save money and, and buy one of these things? And some people make them reported reportedly uh for as little as nine thousand dollars, but the average cost is about twenty three thousand mm-hmm. US dollars. Uh that's still pretty good, like <laughs>
0: um, well, to the, buy a house again. the issue I see is not that you're paying it off for 30 years, that yeah. you have to work for 30 years just to play the game <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like
0: working yeah, your you, life
1: you, you buy this house, well you don't buy the house, you get a mortgage to buy the house uh, and then you're buying into this contract like this uh, this until death type contract it's, uh, it's not something which seems fiscally prudent to me and I think a lot of people are starting to see that as well. They're like opting out of this whole idea.
0: Well, it's just, it's, it's like, what, it's what everyone does. So yeah. it seems so normal, but yep. but when you can work 10 years, 15 years and retire, and I'm not talking about being some crazy entrepreneur starting companies and stuff. I'm talking yep. about just being smart with your money, yeah. working 10 years, saving, building a little house somewhere you like, and then traveling where you, where you want, picking up mm. jobs where you like. And, and modifying your your lifestyle mm. to just suit, you know, what you feel like doing today opposed yes. to, shit, it's Tuesday, I'm better getting traffic again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so some of these people are saying stuff, like I read one quote, this guy, uh, like previously, he didn't really have much disposable income, but now he's like, yeah, this year I went, um, took the family to Peru. Uh, so he he said, it's like, we 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 live in a tiny house and 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 that's you know that's our day to day life. But uh, but when we want to get crazy and go go for a holiday, we're playing with the big boys. It's like we're going on the holidays that rich people take. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want, Something whatever like you that. want it's possible. Yeah. Yep. So I I think this is really cool and people are setting up communities like they, they will build a piece of land and that they, they will build like you, you know 10, 10 or 15 of these tiny houses and they have a communal area so it's like the communal area is like an extension of your home instead of you having your backyard which is private you could share it with your neighbors and you know have social interaction as well so that sounds fucking great it's, i think it's brilliant
0: well i think we all like school like I, I enjoyed school to a, to a certain extent for the, the social lunch times, the okay, playing sports, okay. the, the hanging out, right? <laughs> Fair enough. It's like, you know, you need to do something, you need to make the most of it. Yep. But I think a lot of people are too busy, trapped in a, in a cycle where we're pulled away from social. Like you don't have time to visit your family mm. anymore. Yeah, mm. I know from a, because I've got an alternative perspective living here in Mexico, I see a lot of my family kind of live really close. And, yep. and they, they share a lot of activities. So, this type of housing, communities, villages, mm. like, are, are going to allow for that again.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's true. You could build a family commune type deal. <laughs> and, you know, you're sharing food and have, having your, your parents over for lunch every day or something like that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, each to their own. It's, a, it's an option. <laughs> it's there. That's what you like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's an interesting idea, and yes, yeah, so, so I mean the, the most of these I said like that figure nine or oh, six square meters. Most of them are between twenty five and forty five square meters, like three hundred to five hundred square feet. Um, so it's it's not a, a huge thing, but I mean p- plenty of people in like New York City would live in an apartment that size. But then you have the option of going out of the city buying a, a land which is a lot cheaper than real estate in New York City and, and you know, living humbly, um, but in finding a way to in, enjoy everything that you want in your life and, you, yeah, just structuring your, your life a little differently and uh, getting, getting your enjoyment in diff, slightly different ways, yeah. So, I mean,
0: you mentioned, like, restructuring your life. And you know, let, let's say that we got in, this, in the swing of you know, 30 years of contracted work yeah. and you know, we're going to pay off a house. Um, I thought it'd be, it'd be cool to have a look at how much money we're actually spending on, on that type of lifestyle, like mm. energy-wise. Mm. Uh, it concerned fuel and the, the movements of, of all that, um, getting, moving around the city, getting from home to work, yeah. And all that kind of thing, so we did have a look at some some stats and um, you know after we worked at the best way to to analyze what what the stats actually meant um, back on a, a report produced by, um, by the ANZ Bank on data that was from 2008 um, in Australia it looked at households that had cars, um, how much fuel are actually like petrol fuel, they were consuming, and like the average house with a car or more is using like thirty nine liters of petrol.
1: Yeah. So about it was about seventy nine percent of the households have at least one car, and of those households, they were using thirty nine liters of petrol per week, or which is about ten point three American gallons. Yeah. So I mean, at today's price,
0: that's like fifty five dollars. 55 bucks a week hmm. that, they're, that they're spending out of their, uh, out of their earnings. So, hmm. I mean, you know, for some people after tax, you know, you're, um, you're a young guy in your apprenticeship. Yeah. I mean, you're talking more than maybe 10, 15% of your, um, of your wage
1: yeah well, if you're an apprenticeship, some of those guys don't like earn like300 dollars a week so that could, you know that's like uh, like 16, 18 percent of your income it could be.
0: So yeah. we thought it'd be cool. let's look at other ways you can, you can get your car rolling without having to commit yourself to that because I mean that, that's like let's say between 10 and 20 percent. Mm. um per week that you're gonna you're gonna put i mean that's before you even start paying your mortgage or your rent i mean that's just icing on the cake Mm. um that you need to pay for fuel just to facilitate you know your nine to five which
1: Mm. which i I think is pretty sick (laughs) yeah Yeah. um spending so much of your money just getting to work yeah which which isn't cool um (laughs) So,
0: you know, I've always – I've been excited at this idea of biodiesel. And although some people were like, you know, well, you know what? It doesn't really save the planet. Like you're still burning some kind of fossil fuel. And it's mm. like, well, irrespective of that, um, you are liberating yourself financially to look for other options. So, mm. you know, sometimes you need to save a little cash before you can jump to something else. But in the meantime, I mean, to pick up a, a diesel car um, to move to a biodiesel is relatively in the same market as what you're going to pay for a petrol car um, anyway. So, mm. um, And I found it extremely interesting how easy it is to make biodiesel. I mean, right. as, as long as you can acquire the, the ingredients. For, there's, there's a few videos online that, uh, that, that step you through what you need to get to make to make biodiesel. And so firstly, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that um, you need some kind of oil, some kind of vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need, and the, the recipe that, that I found was uh, three gallons of vegetable oil. Um, and you mix with, you. that's in one bucket or one large mixing bottle, let's say. And you also need half a gallon of methanol mixed with 70 grams of lye and mm-hmm. So I, I mean, to understand how this, how this works is you need to clean the oil first. So you, you can't, you can't put in just, I mean, I've seen videos of people pouring dirty oil straight into their, straight into their, you know, 1980 model Mercedes and like, yeah, you know, it's running fine. And it smells like popcorn. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, I, I don't know if that's true. Okay. I wouldn't do that. I'd, I'd be cleaning the oil first, at least um, drain it through some kind of fine strainer, yep. to get rid of all, you know, the excess chip and chicken (laughs) wing or whatever, whatever you had in that oil. So separate, clean your oil, um, make a mix of half a gallon of uh, methanol with 70 grams of lye, Um, mix that up well. Then once that's mixed, mix them together and let it sit for three or four days. Now, after what what that does is it gets rid of all the, the impurities out of the the process produces like a, uh, glycerin, um, mm. which, which is like, um, from my experience of fight club is what they used to make soap. So it's like a, it's like a base <laughs> of some kind and that that's in the bottom. So once you pour your biodiesel off that, like and you leave your, your glycerin in the bottom of the tub? Um, then you've pretty much got a fuel that you can pour into your, into your vehicle. Now, um, I've got the recipe in gallons and I didn't do the I didn't do the conversion to to liters. But um, what it works out is that you can make um, what is about ten dollars worth of petrol um, mm. for or ten dollars worth of diesel for about two dollars for the same amount. So, oh, right. so you're making you know providing saving... you
1: can get the waste oil f- for free. So if you go to your fish and chip shop or you take away and say, "Hey, can I get your oil?" and they say yes, then bingo. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean, it's I. I mean, it's debatable to say whether it's economical for. Um, for many people, because you need to get this oil first, and yeah. you know if the whole community switches onto it, and they're all running around collecting oil, mm-hmm. um, then you know maybe maybe the fish and ship shops might switch on to hey we can sell this. Like there's there's quite a bit of a, there's a need now for oil with uh, hipsters that want to put biodiesel into their
1: <laughs> engines. Yeah, but then I mean they're never going to sell it for as much as as diesel at the service station because that would. That, that wouldn't make sense because you still need to process it and everything
0: what makes sense is a community group to get together mm. and start collecting as a team and yep. start you know finding a, a little getting a little fabrication together and maybe um, you know maybe even reselling it to the community yeah i yep. mean that that'd be that'd be great for for communities to start producing their own fuel yep
1: um
0: but i mean if you're at that stage you're probably not going to work anymore you've probably worked out You've already got your own business going on. You're now, you're now <laughs> a biodiesel manufacturer. Yeah, which, or
1: you're living in like an urban farm or something. Yeah. <laughs> See what I
0: was in what I thought was maybe, I mean, how can you produce this this biodiesel? Like because it can't be as good as the real thing, can it? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's not, not my, really my area of expertise. Yeah. Mine, mine neither. So I spent a little bit of time and looking this up. Um, <laughs> I, I thought, okay, how can you produce the same diesel for like a fifth of the cost of diesel? Like it, mm. it can't be that easy. Um, and, you know, it didn't take me that long to find out that, you know, with an, with an unchanged engine, like it doesn't affect it. And even on Mythbusters, they, uh, they did a test, and I don't think they added in the, the methanol and the, the, they did the lye to clean the impurities. I think they just poured it straight in,
1: hmm.
0: like just cooking oil or vegetable oil. Yep. And they said so they- Oh, straight from the, straight from the bottle. Or not um, from... I know. I think it, it, was, it was recycled. It was waste oil. Okay, yeah. well, But okay. But I, I think they just cleaned it, yep. and um, I mean, it wasn't like treated or anything, and right. they, they said you do lose 10%. 10% power.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the question would also be how much does it corrode the engine or the, how much does it affect the engine and, uh, as opposed to using regular diesel?
0: Well, that, that's the thing. Um, mm. They actually say that using biodiesel because yep. because of, the, of the, the chemical qualities of it, mm-hmm. it actually does the opposite and it prolongs the life of the engine. Wow. It's actually okay. more lubricating <laughs> to the engine than uh, than whatever, yeah, then a petroleum based diesel. Wow, so okay, um, that's crazy. You know, you might lose, I mean, I'm not sure whether you do lose 10% because there's reports saying that you don't. That, right, you know, that is, and like, it,
1: de- it depends on how much you, you clean the fuel as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you treat it and you make it, you know, to a, you know, if you treat the, the fuel, I mean, the, the diesel and you clean out like, and you do, I mean, you make sure no glycerin gets into your engine. Mm. Like you're only using like the, the top liquid then, um, then apparently, it, like, it extends the life of your, of your diesel engine because of the, the lubricating qualities, and it, it's like your engine and your power is completely unaffected. All so right. I, I thought, okay, that, that sounds pretty crazy, um, as in, you know, this is some kind of, of almost like a, a lie that, that, I, that I, I was believing. I mean, I was never yeah. told this, but I just, I, just, yeah. I just assumed that, you know, you go and buy your diesel, it's a better product. Yeah, um, but then then I started scratching at the, the idea, and you know this concept of using vegetable oil in engines isn't exactly new at all. Mm. Um, back in, nine, in no back in eighteen ninety five. Yep. So you know a little while ago, we're talking about this dude, Doctor Rudolf Diesel. That, that's his name. <laughs> okay. He, okay. He he apparently developed the first diesel engine to run on vegetable oil.
1: So that's what it was supposed <laughs> to do in the first place. You know, my, my, uh, my uncle's name was uh, D- D- Dr. Um, Hans Hopkin um, Garbage Bin, and he was the guy who invented the garbage bin. Do
0: you, is, that, is that real?
1: <laughs> the guy invented invented <laughs> <laughs> named Diesel. I think yeah. that's real. I hope that's real. I mean, you go, should, you should be a good billionaire. <laughs> the garbage
0: bin is like in every house. <laughs> collecting royalty okay is this real i I need to check but apparently he didn't use vegetable oil he used some kind of peanut oil and it was on world exhibition in paris like right back in at the world fair at like 1900 like it does seem very very square these details (laughs) but um i don't know maybe maybe it's maybe it's possible (laughs) yeah um yeah that's pretty cool well, I, mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to get a diesel engine, and I want to make this fuel, I and mean, let's mm, see let's see what we can do. Mm, but um, and how is it in terms of emissions? Okay, no, I did I did check that out too. Um, well, um, before we before we jump to like emissions, I mean to look at the whole like the whole life cycle of like the, the fuel, like the way it's made as well, because we're talking a recycled product. I don't know I don't know how diesel's made, like real diesel. But I mean you look at the way they pull pulling petrol out of the Gulf of Mexico and what they messed up there. It's like, mm. you know, there's it's it's bigger than
1: just, you know, burning your burning your fuel. Yep. I mean like yep. you know, it's like having Absolutely, you, yeah. Like, oil oil spills are so environmentally damaging. So, you know, if we can use peanut oil instead, then why not? Yeah, and and they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> delicious engines
0: mm. well the, I mean the, the stats I got for, um, for biodiesel and um, you know I thought it was important to make sure that you're aware of like we're talking about recycled products so um, on top of that it's like 80% less carbon emissions uh, as in carbon dioxide emissions um, there's no sulfur in the fuel so I'm not sure what burnt sulfur does or what a, what a emission that does, but apparently 100% no sulfur is supposed to be like a, that's a positive. Okay. Um, there's a 90% reduction on, on unburnt um, hydrocarbons, 75% and 90% on uh, aromatic hydrocarbons. So, I mean, you don't have the same smell, I'm assuming. Like, right. I mean, I was caught in traffic today and that's, that's, that's not where you want to be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, yeah, for yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, it's a joke saying that you can't. Like, it does smell like like cooking, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's not such a bad thing, except I think it might make you hungry. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I'm not sure whether this is a joke, but you know, 90 percent reduction on on cancer. So, right. I, I guess cool. I mean it could be possible. Yeah, but you know, just get out of the city. Just don't don't be with all that smog and and traffic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe um, maybe a lot of people in the community will start using the, this uh, peanut oil and stuff. I mean, I think there must be like if you if you use canola oil, and I I do use it sometimes, but I don't think it's healthy at all. It's really probably very bad for you. Uh, And so canola oil or the stuff they just call vegetable oil, like these mysterious vegetables. What the hell are they putting in that? Who, Who knows? So that stuff, I know it's probably like the bottom of the barrel in terms of human consumption. But I'm sure there must be a level a little bit below that, like maybe something that's a bit less processed. Maybe, the, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be processed so much for human consumption. And, and uh, that's probably the stuff that they throw out at the canola factory where they make the, the canola seeds. And, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you could probably use that if you, you know, if you had some sort of deal with the, with the canola factory. You could uh, arrange to get that, what is to them, waste oil and use it in a new way. And um, that that could be uh, something to you know re- again re- significantly reduce the fossil fuel usage.
0: Uh, I think if this if people were were serious and they switched onto this quick, mm. canola would replace that brand at the top of your petrol pump. <laughs> like they, yeah. I mean, some, yeah. I'm sure there's some smart, technical, marketing people in that in those companies that would say, you know what, we can make a whole lot more money just. Fuel, fueling cars rather yeah, we than know, supermarkets. we know canola oil is really shit for you, so why
1: don't we put it in your car instead?
0: It's it's pretty already that grade. It's pretty already <laughs> diesel grade.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Diesel grade canola oil. Yep. You know, the real name of canola is actually rapeseed. Canola is just the like the brand name. Like, what can we call this instead of violation seed <laughs> let's call it can canadian oil canola oil yeah. brilliant yeah they're geniuses <laughs> yeah yeah um there's a there's a lot of uh email circulating about that how saying how uh, canola oil is like it's I don't know what they say. I made a joke about it saying canola oil is actually squeezed from the pores of Canadian teens. So don't support canola oil if you want to um, make sure that Canadians aren't sold into slavery. Don't do it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, i got nothing to say about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. They, they say all types of stuff they say it rots your brain or something I don't think that's true but I don't think it's very good for you yep but, so
0: yeah uh, no I just wanted to, to wrap up the whole biodiesel thing mm. um, I mean there's a few other details in there with like um, you know I guess maybe better ways of making it I mean that's just that's just a way that I found online that seemed easy enough yep. with, with materials that you know you can commonly find and you know maybe it isn't like you know the best step or the right step into like you know be more eco-friendly but um but not supporting the the petrodollar mm. and moving away from a from a, a petrol economy yep. is is like is is going to help the community more than i think
1: people are aware of yeah yeah well if it's really as cheap as you say like if it costs 20% of what diesel does then you can actually i mean what commonly happens when people have more disposable income they they will choose to buy products that are more um, environmentally friendly. So even if, the, if, if using this biodiesel isn't that great for the environment, then those savings get passed on to other areas. Uh, or, you know, people even use that money that they save to develop a new technology, which is useful again. So, you know, it's small small steps. Mm. And it's not worse for the, for the environment. Yep.
0: It's like, it's, it's not like it's a bad step. Mm. But, um, yeah, the, the innovation of extra money and, you know, extra focus going into greener fuels yep. can, only, can only move into a good step once we start moving away from
1: where we are. Mm. Mm. Uh, now, did you have something to say about those fermentate, uh, fermented fuels as well?
0: Uh, well, there was, there was a case I found where there was a guy that he's, lo- he's looking at, he found a, a bacteria. Mm. that was able to because I mean originally they, they started using like ethanol based fuels yep. as like a substitution uh, so um, the problem with that is there's really only a certain range of of vegetable product that you can use to produce uh, that type of fuel or you know that type of sugar to make the ethanol um, so you know you're really down to like sugar cane or the stalks of, of corn crops um, things like that but the this is a scientist, Steve Hutchinson, from the University of Maryland. He came across a, a bacteria where he was able to use um, the bacteria breaks down pretty much any type of vegetable matter mm. so what that means is from what he 's what he's actually trying to do is create a understanding the process and create like a, a biological or a chemical formula to to utilize, to break down any or all vegetable matter, which means we can use all vegetable matter to create the exact same ethanol. <laughs> all
1: right, all right. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, then, then we can just use engines that run on ethanol and, and away we go. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right.
0: Um, I mean, this is, I think he's still, it's only like recent, like this is only in the last, last year or two. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how far he's come, he's come along with that, but um, I mean, there's a cool video about it, so we can we'll throw that in the links. But um, I mean, that that kind of links into like using algae and um, you know algae to create like biomass and different fuels like that. But I didn't I didn't come across a case that was um, easy.
1: Like it, it seems okay. like, <laughs> so like so there's no out of the box solution for algae people yet.
0: <laughs> no, well, I, I just I just thought you know it's. Um, unless, unless I can do it, yep. you know, I thought, you know, I'll leave it on the, you know, on the chalkboard. Yeah. Yep. Um. But uh, you mentioned that there's, there's ways of, of setting up like big industrial fish tanks that have algae and, and systems.
1: Yeah. Like, like cre- creating a, a small ecosystem in, in a, an aquarium, like in, in your home so, and then you use it as a fish farm and there's certain algae or certain plants that you can get, which will apparently clean the water. So it it needs to be rather big. This this aquarium, like not like a goldfish bowl in the corner. We're, talk, we're talking several uh, cubic meters. Um, but yeah, apparently it's it's possible to create this aquarium that's a self-sustaining ecosystem, and then you can um, you know you put that uh, on on our magical farm out in Mazamitla or wherever we have we have this huge fish farm and then we can eat some of the fish and and you know we're growing food as well and and stuff like this you just installed
0: a self-sufficient life cycle fish tank
1: yep yep that's that's the idea and and then you know of course we could have the um like a, a bunch of uh, Tesla Power Walls sticking sticking on there, and out in this community, we have a bunch of tiny houses that <laughs> that we made. Uh, and maybe you know um, te- Tesla is going to release a, a Model Three and a new electric uh, electric vehicle, uh, which costs about thirty five thousand dollars. So they're getting cheaper and cheaper every year. These you know these like now it's almost a, a middle class vehicle. Um, that, that um, we, could, we could power off the solar panels um, or, or we could even, um, you were saying that there were kits and you can convert your existing vehicle into an electric vehicle. Yeah, I've,
0: I've, seen, I've seen electric kits for like, you know, the old school BW Combi and the Bug or mm-hmm. the Bocho here in Mexico, commonly named as, yep. um, you know, and they're not that, they're not that expensive. Um, mm. I mean, if you're talking about battery technology getting a lot better, Because I think that's that's expensive part getting the the battery pack and the the setup, but the engines itself I think are only like maybe five grand, Mm. um, and and they're designed just to bolt on to the the existing gearbox system Mm. um, for the sixteen hundred you know engines. So and they look really neat. So I don't know maybe it's a little business idea of of buying cheap cheap cars and yep. tuning them up with electric parts yep. um, and then, you know, reselling them or using them to get from the city to the, the country. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way you explain these like power walls, I imagine like a, like an outside toilet type. <laughs> um, well, you know, that size tool shed with, you know, next to a tree with power points. you know, just out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> big battery box and like, you know, grab the tools and we're going to build some more little houses. And we've got these cabins up all through the mountains this community, I don't know, like waterfalls and fairies, and I don't know. It sounds cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we get the in- industrial-sized, uh, like one gigawatt hour um, power wall, and then we're, we're starting a whole community out out in out in, P- out in or something out in the middle of nowhere, uh, running High around. Yeah, sorry. High in the mountains, so there's no for this. Global
0: warming and the melting of the ice caps. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have to worry about the rising water I don't know. We might have beachfront by then. <laughs> I don't know how how high can the water go.
1: Yeah, so we we plug in a hydroelectric unit. That's a, that's another an interesting thing I, I saw just briefly. This hydroelectric unit and it's it's a uh, it's like a floating device. So you put it in the river and it's non disruptive and and they can generate electricity too. Uh, so, you know, you, get, you, you can be getting solar and if there's no sun for some reason, then you're getting it from the water and then you're storing it in the power wall and you're using that to, to um, start your car or you're growing your own vegetables and fermenting them um, so, so you can make um, ethanol fuel or, um, or going around the community and getting the garbage and converting it into oil. That's, a, that's another possibility. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so many
0: options. I'm thinking about yeah. sauerkraut.
1: <laughs> Growing your own uh, cabbages and fermenting them. Sauerkraut for fuel. Yeah. Sauerkraut. Well, fuel, fuel.
0: for this machine. <laughs> you got you got to fuel the primary. Yep. First. Um. So good. Good. Uh, good food. But I mean, that's the whole idea of getting out of getting you know cheaper real estate away from the cities, where you know where you can you know, explore these kind of options and, and mm. grow these kind of communities and and change the way you live. I think if we change the way we live, we wouldn't consume as much electricity. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, or fuel. Yeah.
0: Like it just changes the way you the changes the way you live your life.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: Adventure time.
1: Yeah cool uh so those are some great ways which we might see the world changing in a few years like may, maybe people won't be living in, in cities so much to set, set up their own communities because they they have more um accessibility through through the internet to, to make money or they you know they find uh, other ways to get by uh using um the combination of all of these technologies and that's going to be very interesting. You know, you hear people talk about overpopulation, but, uh, you know, there's so much space on the Earth's surface, even on, on land, uh, that's still not used. So, <laughs> um, so, so I think that's, uh, you know, that's a great way we can work towards a more sustainable future for the human race. We won't even need to build them. Yep. We'll have 3D printers just doing circles and building
0: TVs. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I just got to
1: turn yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Three D, three D printers, um, building our houses for us. That's a, that. That could be a possibility too. Yeah. green. Uh, okay. Uh, so my name's Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Bassel and this is the Paradise Paradox. So press like on YouTube, press subscribe on YouTube, uh, press like on Facebook, press the get notifications button on Facebook, like hover over the like button and press get notifications. So you can be sure to get everything we're, we're talking about and be a part of the conversation. Uh, jump in there and make, leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear your opinion. And uh press subscribe on iTunes and, and pocket cast so you can get those regular updates and ke- keep listening to us and hearing these these new ideas. And of, of course, uh if if you're feeling in the mood, and uh, I hope you are, uh jump on donate.theparadiseparadox.com. Uh we love receiving donations from our listeners. All the all the donations that we're receiving, we're we're very appreciative, we're very grateful. Uh, because it says to us that this is something valuable that we're doing something worthwhile, and I would love it if you if you um, found a new idea or you hadn't thought of a combination of ideas that were presented in this podcast, then you go on donate and you th- give us a give us a little donation. Suggested donation is one U.S. dollar per episode that you like. And we, we really love you guys so much uh, for, for helping us out that, like that. Uh, also, if you um, and another way you can help us out and show a little support. Uh, if you think you're thinking of buying something from Amazon, like buying some books, maybe you're gonna uh, buy, buy some some books or movies about sustainable technology or information about new fuels, you could go on uh, our website www.theparadiseparadox.com and press on the shop Amazon link at the top there. And this isn't going to cost you anything extra uh, except for those two seconds it takes you to click onto our website. But this means that we receive a small commission of everything that you buy on Amazon. So maybe you're going to buy some books or movies or electronics buy something cool for yourself you know it's that christmas is only seven months away so so load up on gifts for all your nieces and nephews uh and we we really appreciate that too because we're do, we're doing this well we're doing this for ourselves but we we like it when you guys appreciate what we're doing as well <laughs> yeah we're doing so, it for fun so let's yeah. make it more fun yeah give yeah us well, more episodes give us a little money that you know things are always more fun when they involve money it's just the the sprinkling on the top of the ice cream sundae Uh, yeah so jump on our website stay in touch send us a message tell us a story Uh, we love hearing from you guys we we love having that connection with our audience it is a great thing it's a beautiful thing and we we appreciate all those people out there who are saying to us that you you enjoy what we're doing and even give us feedback and criticism Uh, that's valuable to us too very very valuable great so uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Peace. Hey, guys, just a really quick notice. If you want some more information about the stuff we talked about in this episode, jump on com slash five. That's theparadiseparadox.com slash 35. So you can get all the links, all the things, interesting things that we referred to in this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for your support. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for donating. Thanks for being a beautiful, unique, individual human being. And I'll talk to you soon.